0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have Jared Wall on the show. He is a sales engineer for South Point Solutions, LLC, which specializes in lighting, electrical, electrical, and energy services. He has a degree in mechanical engineering from uh, Ren Saylor Polytech Institute. He'll have to correct me that correct me after the intro here. And after a brief stint in the world of medical device manufacturing, he spent nearly the last 10 years in the energy efficient sector. He had two good, not great experiences with two different companies in the Syracuse, Syracuse New York area before he joined a firm in New Jersey where he spent almost six years. Recently, after some searching, he then decided to move his family to the south of the Carolinas, and after some further searching, decided to join South Point Solutions based out of Fort Mill, South Carolina. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lance. Very happy to be with you. Did I pronounce that correctly or no? No. That's Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Okay. uh, I don't want to bash anybody's uh, mispronounce their alma mater. I know they hold them deep to their, close to their chest sometimes. So
1: yeah, yeah. I'm not too protective with it. I don't, it's not going to offend me by any means, but uh, yeah, that is the correct pronunciation.
0: Yeah. Good deal. Well, hey, kick us off by telling us a little bit about your background, um, both personal and professional and and where it led, why it led you to where you are now. Yeah, so kind of like
1: uh, a good intro there. Um, graduated with a mechanical engineering degree, and uh, I wasn't the, wasn't the greatest student in college, but I did manage to make some very good relationships. Uh, and one of the uh, alumni from one of the organizations that I was involved with offered me a job at his company. He was a, a vice president at, like, uh, like you said, a medical device manufacturing company in New Jersey. And it was a really good start to my career. Uh, it was a good company to work for. Um, but that being said, it was in the medical device manufacturing world. And it was right when uh, Obama was coming into office for his first term. And I was there for about two years. And I remember right in the beginning, the CEO, we had, we had about quarterly um, company-wide meetings where the CEO would address the company and kind of let us know what was going on and what plans were for the future. And uh, he mentioned, I remember right right in the beginning, after I had only been there a month or two, he said, you know, we got a new president coming in and it's very clear that the, one of his major first policy initiatives is going to be in the world of healthcare and medicine and all that. And he's like, we don't know how that's going to affect us. We know it will affect us, but we don't know how just yet. And so it was a very uncertain time. It ended up being that there were a lot of uh, taxes and regulations that were added onto the medical device world, uh, especially the manufacturing world. And in the two years that I was there, there was probably probably at least four rounds of layoffs. Um, so I kind of saw the writing on the wall there. And another friend of mine had been working in Syracuse, New York which is where I'm originally from, uh, incidentally. Uh, he was working at a company in their energy efficiency services department. And uh, he got me a job working there. And it was a good company. Um, I had a lot of really cool experiences there. Uh, well, actually, probably the most interesting energy efficiency project that I worked on was in, in the year and a half that I spent there. Um, but there were some financial issues issues with that company and especially with the energy department and it kind of turned into a last one hired first one fired uh. type of situation for me uh, and then i went from there to another company in syracuse that was primarily focused on energy efficiency lighting at that time it was mostly fluorescent lighting um it did kind of evolve into led after i had been there for a little while but uh when i first started it was mostly focused on fluorescent but I didn't really, I wasn't too comfortable with that company almost from the beginning. I didn't like the way it was managed. I didn't kind of like some of the sales techniques that they were using. I wasn't totally comfortable with it. So I started looking around to make a change. And uh, like you mentioned, I found a company in New Jersey that I ended up joining and loved it. I loved the owner. I loved the people. Um, it was a great company to work for. They took really good care of us. And I spent almost almost six years there. Uh, and I'm, I'm not that, I'm, I'm pretty, I guess I'm still pretty, pretty young. I've only been in the, the career world for a little bit more than 10 years. And more than half of that was at this, this company in, in New Jersey. And while I was there, I was never closed off to the idea of going somewhere else. And so I did take a few interviews with some other companies based in New Jersey, but I never really found anything that was that I thought was going to be suitable to what I was looking for in a, in a company to work for, and so I was really comfortable staying at the company I was with. Uh, and then more recently, after I've gotten married and started having a family, I was looking to to relocate to a different part of the country. I've got some family here in the in the Carolinas. Um, I wanted to be closer to so my kids could grow up with their with their cousins. And I took a few interviews and finally found a company that I was, I was confident in, you know, being in the, being in the, being a salesman, being a consultant where a lot of my income is based on commissions, you know, it's really important for me to be confident a in what I'm selling, but also be in the, the people that's standing behind me. And, you know, knowing that the services that I'm offering are going to be backed up by quality people and quality management and, uh, a company that really kind of has my back and also has the best interests of the comp- of the customer at heart and I found that in in the the company you mentioned south point solutions and so i've only been here about six months um, but it's been a great uh, it's been a great experience so far, and I definitely see myself here for a long
0: time tell, tell me one one point you brought up was about sales tech te- sales techniques that you didn't like. I always like to pick people's brains about this because I think it's good for all the listeners to hear uh, about so they can identify if they are being subject to a a poor sales technique and what kind of lies behind that. So if you could give us some examples of what stuff you saw and then, you know, what what, what is the motive behind it? And I'm sure it's obviously to sell, but, you know, maybe and maybe you sell a crappy product. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it wasn't so much a crappy product, although we were... We, the company, that particular company, we were partnered with the local utility selling uh, LED lights and fluorescent lights through what's called a direct install program, where it's heavily incentivized by the utility. There's, there's these type of programs all over the country, whether it's with the state or with the utility, but um, we were very limited in what we had to offer. It wasn't a bad product by any means, but what I didn't really like about the company is that they were very, very bottom line focused. They didn't really care how they got to the sale. They just wanted the sale. And so we were being pressured to kind of over, overstate the savings that the customer was going to achieve, kind uh-huh. of overstate the the benefits of it. Um, and really kind of almost like a high pressure sales technique where that wasn't really what I was comfortable with doing. I prefer to, build a relationship and be honest and really not try and sell something that a customer doesn't need um, and look out for the customer's best interest. And I, that's really one of the reasons why I chose South Point to come and work for, because, you know, as you mentioned, I've been in the energy efficiency world, in the sales world, uh, as it relates to that for almost a decade now. And so I've I've gotten pretty confident in my own abilities in that world um, but I definitely wanted somebody behind me that I was comfortable with and confident in, in who they were and, and the kind of company they were and I found that in South Point.
0: They have a specific set of ethics or a sort of a mission, you know, company goals and missions. Is, is that what kind of, well, there's a the telephone, You're getting a sales call <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, and this is live. Uh, in the sense that he's, he's doing business. Um, is there any, is there any, is there, yeah, so kind of to recap there, is, is there any, do they have like a specific set of goals or industry standards or, you know, or their own kind of ethics that you just sold you and you saw how it worked behind the scenes or?
1: Well, it was really, it was, it was kind of what I feel sets them apart from their competition and that a lot of, a lot of people who start looking into Doing LED upgrades, we work with a lot of industrial facilities, manufacturers, warehouses, distribution centers. Um, we also recently got into doing more commercial, you know, whether it be uh, shopping centers, um, exterior lighting, things like that. But anyways, they, what my what South Point does, and what I really liked is that they, 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 their whole uh, business model is on doing right by their customers so that we can get repeat business and that that our customers are comfortable giving us referrals. Um, And that's really what South point focuses on is, is not upselling, not necessarily providing bells and whistles that a customer doesn't need. Um, But also beyond that, you know, any, a lot of, ESCOs, what they're called, energy service companies, they'll uh, they'll sell an LED light and get it installed and then kind of walk away. Um, and we do a lot of the same stuff that a lot of them do, but we do kind of go above and beyond. You know, Pretty much any ESCO will provide a, a turnkey solution where they come in and do a, an existing survey of your facility, uh, provide you with a proposal, they'll install it, they'll recycle the old stuff, they'll apply for any available financial rebates to help finance the project. Um, and we do all of that stuff too. What's kind of different about South Point, I found, is we're not really we're not tied to any one particular manufacturer of lighting. Um, we're kind of material agnostic, as we say. So that enables us to choose from a wide variety of available products that are out there and really find what's best for the customer. And then beyond that, there's, there's three things that I think South Point does that I don't think any, no company that I've found that I've, you know, interviewed with or researched does, does any of these things. And that's one, you know, we guarantee the energy savings that we project. Uh, You know, when we're giving a proposal, we say, this is what it's going to cost. This is how much you're going to save. This is how long the lights are going to last. This is the increase in light levels that we're going to achieve make it easier for your customers to see maybe make it safer you know those kind of things mm-hmm. um, so we guarantee the energy savings which i don't know why other customers other companies don't do that it's really a simple calculation you know like
0: your like your competitors basically. yeah oh okay. yeah
1: i don't know why that why they don't do that it's either that they're you know, kind of like what that first company that I was working for I mentioned, they're overstating the savings to try and get the sale um, or they're not as confident in the lights that they're installing. Um, So we do that, we guarantee the energy savings. We also install sample or test fixtures prior to even signing a contract with a customer so that we can either confirm that the lights that we are specing into the project are going to satisfy the project's or the, the customer's needs and/or help them decide between you know multiple options that we're presenting them with. And then lastly, we handle all of uh, all of the manufacturer's warranties for the lifetime of those warranties. So it makes it a lot easier uh, for when. Inevitably, you know, it doesn't happen too, too often because we, we do work with some really good manufacturers, but it's an electrical device and electrical devices will will fail um, for whatever reason. And so when that does happen, we handle the warranty. The customer can just come right to us who they've been working with, you know, for the entirety of the project. And they don't have to worry about finding part numbers or PO numbers or contacting a customer service representative. At, at one of these manufacturers we handle all that for them for the for the lifetime of those warranties so those are the three things that really kind of set us apart I find um, and also we we really like to everybody knows LED is kind of the the way to go in in lighting it's becoming ubiquitous in the lighting world but that being said, not, L, not all LEDs are created equal and there's more for a customer to think about than just, uh, you know, the fact that it's LED and what does it cost. And so that's kind of one of the things that we like to kind of work with our customers to educate them about so that when they're getting competing bids or proposals, they're able to compare apples to apples, which is somewhat difficult to do in the LED world just because of there's a little bit of lack of understanding of, What an LED light is, and what the differences are between different kinds of LED lights.
0: Yeah, and I've actually had—we put all LEDs in our in our new house that we built about four years ago. Most of them failed, so I would like, and then some of them failed actually in the new office building and uh, that that we're were sitting in that my business partner and I built and developed as well. And that's not me just crapping on LEDs. That's me just telling you the truth. But I think this maybe kind of leads into my next question about like what, what should people know when they're looking at LED light lighting upgrades. Um, is there, is there something that maybe we missed and we just got a, we just got an inferior product. And like you said, electrical, anything will fail. Actually, every single thing in the world will fail at some point if you give it enough time, right? It's right. sort of the zero hedge idea. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I mean the, the
1: enemy of led lighting is heat. So, uh, a, really, a good quality LED, whether it's a, a bulb that you're screwing in to replace a, an incandescent lamp or uh, those cur- curly Q CFL fluorescent lamps, um, a good one will have a really robust heat sink built into it. So if you kind of hold two comparable fixtures or bulbs in your hand that are LED, one might be really light while the other one is really heavy, while well, that heavy one is heavy because it has a big aluminum heat sink, which draws the heats away from the LEDs and allows them to last a lot longer um, than one that doesn't have that heat sink. So, yeah, what we like to tell our customers and explain to our customers is that, not I mean, obviously there's the upfront cost of what it costs to install LEDs in a building, mm-hmm. but that's not the final end-all Consideration that somebody should take into account. It's kind of like buying a car. When you buy a car, there's the sticker price, but then there's also, you know, what you expect it to cost in maintenance and the the, the fuel efficiency that it has. It's very similar in the in the LED lighting world. You know, uh, there say you're looking for a fixture that's going to put out. I'm going to use some terms that might be a little bit inside baseball, but um, you're looking for a fixture that's going to put out thirty thousand lumens. And fixture A might take 150 watts to put out 30,000 lumens, whereas fixture B might take 120 watts to put out 30,000 lumens. Well, over the lifetime, fixture B, even though it might've cost a little bit more upfront, it's gonna cost less to operate over the lifetime of it. And because it's a more efficient product, that efficiency usually comes from, you know, like I was talking about, the ability to draw heat away from the LED and also the quality of the LED chip itself. Um, so in addition to the, the, the efficiency of the product, there's also the lifetime of it. You know, fixture A might le- have a rated life of, say, 70,000 hours, whereas fixture B has a rated life of 120,000 hours. So it might last almost twice as long. Uh, so you're not going to have to replace it as quickly. So again, there's that, the upfront cost might be a little bit, more. But over the long run, it's, it's the smarter investment because it costs less to operate and it's not going to fail as quickly.
0: Well, you're in sales, obviously, and we kind of mentioned that with, you know, the intro and everything um, and then your phone call <laughs> on <You laughs> yeah. the background there. What is a, There's a lot of other entrepreneurs listening to this right now. Some are some are architects, but we just we do have a pretty we have a, we have a pretty wide audience of people that, that listen to this and run businesses and you got to sell. So what is the best sales advice, you know, now that you're a salesperson that you you could give or, or pieces of advice that you could give to people when starting to engage and how do you, you know, closing deals and the whole process?
1: Yeah. For me, the, the, the human relationship is number one most important. You know, when I, when I cold call somebody or when I reach out to a, a mutual acquaintance of whether it's my wife or a friend of mine or a customer that I've had in the past, I'd like to research them a lot, find out a little bit about what makes them tick, maybe a little bit of nugget, you know, that they're, you know, that maybe they own this business, but they also are on the board of, say, like a a charity for for helping kids with autism or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I might try to, uh, you know, get that that information and have that, make that human connection uh, as well as kind of identify what their needs are from a business standpoint. Um, But that way, so it's not just me launching right into a sales pitch and being that guy that's, you know, just say, hey, I've got this new shiny object that you need. You know, it's me trying to say, hey, you know, I think the two of us could really work together and it could be a really mutually beneficial relationship. Um, And so in addition to that, I think, you know, a because like I said, a lot of our customers, um, and this is a little bit new for me being with this new company, but a lot of our customers are large manufacturing companies that have multiple facilities and they're a big corporation with, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of employees. And when you start dealing with companies like that, the approval process for saying okay on a sale is a lot more
0: complicated. It's like a little so, mini government, right? A little bureaucratic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit bureaucratic, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially the ones that are in like the defense industry or something oh, like sure. that. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's good to kind of have a strategy and map out who the decision makers are and how you're going to get in front of those decision makers as opposed to, you know, working with, with some lower level maintenance manager. Um, and then he's playing middleman between you and the people who are actually making the decision. That makes my job as a salesman a lot harder when somebody else is playing middleman. So I always like to try and figure out how I can convince, you know, my contact that it's best for him to, you know, just let me go straight to the horse's mouth. Um, And, you know, so I try to identify what he's specifically looking for in a project uh, and, you know, whether it's increased light levels or getting rid of the maintenance headaches that come with maintaining fluorescent or HID, you know, metal halide, high pressure sodium type lighting. Um, and then I can kind of use that to say, you know, and I'll usually, usually my, my strategy is that I'll go through the scope of work with him and get his feedback on what it looks like, what his thoughts are. And then, you know, say, okay, so what's the next step here? Should we schedule a meeting with, you know, the finance people or with the CFO or, or whoever it is? And then the two of us together can kind of, as a team, bring it to his upper level people to, to get that up. Once I have his buy-in that he thinks, you know, what my what my solution that I'm proposing is what's right, then, you know, it kind of becomes a team where it's him and I working together to try and convince his you know, the people
0: above him that are actually going to pull the trigger on it. Yeah. I did cold calling. I did cold calling uh, when I, when I moved to Colorado and was on the verge of getting laid out, laid off about 10 years ago with the architecture firm. that just did not have its crap together. You know, they basically, they would do houses for the 1% and that was it. You know, we've built our firm much differently to where we try, we try to serve everybody who can, we can possibly serve and we will curtail, you know, fees and stuff to them. But the but the cold calling that intimidates a lot of people. It intimidate you right away. It does. I mean, it's it is a,
1: a challenging thing because you know there's a it takes a lot of no's to get to a yes, and you got to learn to kind of have a thick skin and to get over that. And it kind of you know hate to kind of put it this way, but it kind of kind of becomes a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it also you know like I said the way south point works and why i love south point why i really chose to to kind of hitch my wagon to their star is that they they really make sure that the customer is happy at the end and that makes it a lot easier to ask for referrals and then you kind of have those warm leads that make it make your need to do cold calling a little bit less you know if you if i have enough referrals coming in or if the if i if i do a good project at say a large manufacturing company's one facility then maybe they'll have me go do all their other facilities um and that can keep me busy and kind of take the need from having to do a whole bunch of cold calling away uh So, yeah, I mean, cold calling is difficult, but it's necessary. Um, And, you know, you kind of mentioned that you have a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. And I've been a fan of your show for a while. So I've been listening to it a lot. And I've heard a lot of the great stories of people, what people do. And, you know, I'm not a business owner by any means. But because I'm a salesman and a lot of my income is dependent on commissions, it kind of makes me be almost a little entrepreneurial just within my own little Oh absolutely and building yep. my own pipeline, and so I have to make sure that I'm really developing relationships and make sure that I'm delivering good solutions uh, from from start to finish that way i can I can you know expand on
0: a good project and have it lead to to more opportunities and so do you guys serve? all of North America, like, is there, where you guys go nationwide? I think I've asked you. Yeah, we do all over
1: the country. Uh, We, we actually just finished a project up in Connecticut. We've worked out in California and Texas, up in Detroit, Chicago, yeah, all over the country. Um, Primarily most of our work is, is in the Southeast here. Um, But you know, like I said, we've been all over the country and uh, because I come from outside of the Southeast, a lot of my connections that I'm, I'm drawing on are, from elsewhere in the country, so so I've traveled. Um, you know, I've only been here six months, but I've I've traveled to do surveys and to 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 make introductions and start start building that pipeline from my existing network. Um, and so I'm, I'm probably going to end up doing a little bit more traveling than some of the other guys that work here just because mm-hmm. they, they're born and raised down here in, in South Carolina or North Carolina. Um, but that's, that's kind of the exciting thing about, you know, the company I was working for in New Jersey, it was just New Jersey. It was another one of those companies that was partnered with the, these direct install programs that are heavily incentivized. They're specifically geared just towards small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mom and pop type shops. Uh, and there's a lot of, as you as you mentioned, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved with those type of programs. And that's one of the things that excited me about joining South Point was that it's not tied to any government program. We do help, we do help our customers apply for any government money that's available to help pay for these energy efficiency programs, but we're not tied to it. And so we have a lot more freedom to, choose the light fixtures that we want to install we have a lot more freedom to redesign lighting layouts you know especially in warehouses and production areas where as they've built out the area lights have gotten blocked or they're above racks or a piece of machinery is now blocking it so we can kind of reorient how the lighting is set up to really make it work good for for the for the customer um so there's a lot more creativity that i have now with this new company. Um, and that was one of the things that I was really excited about uh, as and one of the reasons why I chose to join South Point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. sounds like you're in a good place now for sure. Um, so I'm happy to hear that. Uh, one of the last questions I, I like to ask everybody, and especially now that you've kind of, you've framed it in that you're, you're 10 years in, into the career world. So knowing what you know now, after being in there for 10 years, if you could go back in time and give yourself any piece of advice, what would that be?
1: Ooh. um, Yeah. Like I said, I've listened to your show before. I know I I knew that question was coming and I didn't really, haven't really figured out a good answer to it, but I guess, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of afraid of going, moving to a, a a company that was more commissions based as opposed to sales based because it's a lot more pressure on me. Um, But I think you know if I were to give myself a piece of advice it would just be to to have more belief in myself and and confidence in that uh you know I have that ability to to develop the relationships and to to stand behind what I'm selling and and turn turn you know one good relationship into multiple good relationships and uh you know the the commission based income world is there's a little bit more pressure involved with it, but there's a lot more potential opportunity um too you know my 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 income has been capped in the past, and uh you know that's not the case anymore um you know i'm like kind of like what i mentioned i'm my own i'm my own little entrepreneur within a larger it's a small company, but within a larger team that's, you know, standing behind me. So I didn't have to have the, the upfront capital to build my own business. I'm kind of using somebody else's capital to build my own business within their business.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I wholeheartedly believe what you're saying about that. And that, that is one, that is one of our goals is to eventually turn a few select folks here into sales, salespeople and give them that incentive. Because then I think it also helps build like we have trouble with loyalty right now. I mean, you hear that from the media, you know, who knows what the media is telling the truth or not, but that there's this idea that there is no company man anymore, company woman. Um, But I, and I think our reaction as entrepreneurs should be to give people like you or, you know, people inside our companies incentive. So they are part of, they are part of our entrepreneurial structure, even though they don't own the company. Um, Yeah. Uh, well, this was, this was awesome, Jared. Uh, I would love to try to point as many people as we can to you guys' company for any kind of uh, help that they need with energy efficiency, lighting, and electrical and stuff like that. So where can people follow you? Where can they find you?
1: Well, uh, com is, is our website. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Jared Wall, uh, you know, can send me a message on there. Um, I don't know if it would be kosher for me to even just give out my cell phone number on the show but it's uh, up to you man go ahead yeah i mean uh yeah 704-617-0132 and I'm, I'm i'm willing to tra- travel anywhere and uh you know in this world of covid and the economic downturn that we're experiencing it's definitely a good time for customers or for businesses to look into lowering their overhead um and a very easy way to do that is through installing led lights you know you can cut the cut the energy associated with your lighting up to 70 80% by switching from fluorescent or hid to led lighting and it's going to last a lot longer and you know it's going to cost less than maintenance so it can kind of like i said lower that overhead lower those costs and help to offset some of the losses or some of the lost revenue that people are seeing from from everything that we're going through today. 100%. Jared, thanks for being on. Thank you very much.